This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business. My name is Albert Seniger, founder at Nate. And what I love about innovation is that it can come from anywhere, any country, any age, any industry, any function. Anyone can wake up one day and plant a seed that changes the world. From New York City, you're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Mark Rako, and uh, with all of us, of course, Mr. Pavin Ball, who I will try to not call Mr. Pavin Ball every time I address him, but uh, anyway, Pavin, hey, man. Hey, yo, after all these years, we're so formal with each we other. We are, aren't you? Please call me Colonel Rako if you would, so. Absolutely. Absolutely, <laughs> Colonel. Uh, I am a Kentucky Colonel, so technically that would be right, but... And welcome to all of you. Thank you for joining us. And of course, with us is Albert. Albert, uh, welcome to the show. So happy to have you here. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really pumped. Yay. Uh, I should start out by a, conf- uh, a confession of sorts. A minimum of two times before we started recording, I called Albert by the name of his company, Nate. <laughs> Which, as much of a faux pas that was, ultimately, behind the scenes, he took it as a bit of a compliment of what the the company's been designed as or the product's been designed as because, you know, I was confusing it with a human being. <laughs> Mark, I wouldn't be so hard on yourself. Old people do that all the time. You know, <laughs> but you understand I control this whole recording and you could be easily omitted at any moment. <laughs> it, was just, it, was, it was just too easy. You I know, make it, it too is, easy. It's, it's easy. Uh, you know what? It even happened to one of our um, recent <laughs> hires. First day of the job, they called me Nate. And oh. everyone... Everyone looked at me, and then I go, wait, Albert is the human, Nate is the machine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. So uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. And uh, the second thing is, is let's talk about that. You know, this is, I've I've confused the names because, you know, as Pubbin pointed out, I'm old. But the other thing, too, is uh, you've obviously, by naming it Nate, you want to, you know, just just as other... uh, uh, assistants have been named Siri or Alexa or whatever it may be. Uh, right. You know, you've named it Nate on purpose. Uh, tell us about what Nate is before we get into the actual nuts and bolts. How do you think of it as how, how close to a person is it in your mind? Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, um, it's not that intelligent. What I love about humans is that humans have, you know, general intelligence, so they can do many, many things. Nate is, uh, very dumb in that sense, not that smart. I mean, it's a little bit smart, but not that smart. So what Nate can do, Nate can only do one thing, but it does it really, really well. And it can buy any item on any website just by looking at the website and understanding the HTML code. And so what that means for people who use it, if you download Nate on the App Store today, I'm sure both of you already have, um, it means that you can buy anything with under three clicks and under five seconds on the web. So imagine that you're on Safari on your browser and you want to buy this uh, T-shirt. You can just tap share on your browser, tap Nate, and tap buy. Tap share, tap Nate, tap buy. Three clicks, five seconds. You can buy anything anywhere. And so Nate lives in the cloud and that sends a request saying, hey, I want to buy this T-shirt. And then Nate goes to that website, understands the code, and then buys it on your behalf, deciding where to click and what to fill out in order to complete the purchase on your behalf. 
And so, can you talk about the brand, the, the company itself right now? How long you've been around? How many people are working on it right now? What type of clients do you have? Uh, where are you? Yeah, so uh, I, I founded Nate in summer of 2018, so it's been a little over two years now. Uh, the company has now uh, 39 humans and one machine, so a total of 40. Um, <laughs> and, um, and we are uh, live in the U.S. only, um, so you can you know, download Nate and, and play with it. Um, and we, um, and there's just you know, a bunch of people who, who use it right now, especially uh, 19 to 26 year olds and lots of them in the East Coast or, or New York City. And if you could buy anything off of the web within three clicks, then you're clearly not bringing on clients in the traditional sense of saying, I work with a retailer and therefore Nate can support that. You're saying that I'm reading its code. It's obviously deep learning there and right. I'm able to purchase. So what is the model then? Uh, when you, when you mean the, when you say the model, you the mean business, uh, the business model towards revenue for your company. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a great question. So, um, so when we, when you ask Nate to buy something for you, uh, Nate places the order with your name, uh, your email and your shipping information. So it's just an extension of your fingers, right? It replaces your time and energy, but to the retailer, it looks as if you had placed the order yourself. The only difference is that Nate issues a single use virtual card number. And that um, helps you, one, with you know, protecting your payment information so that it's not going from server to server. Two, it's a privacy layer so that credit card companies don't know what you're buying. Because on your credit card company or bank statement, it says Nate all the time. It doesn't say the name of the merchant or the, or the retailer. And then three, and when we, every time we issue a virtual card, we book a little bit of money from the interchange. And so that makes it where, you know, consumers are happy and retailers are happy, but we are not making money from retailers. In fact, the, Nate is the uh, world's first universal checkout solution. And on top of it, the, the only reason that it's entirely universal is because it's designed with consumers, consumer first mindset. There's, you know, there's no part, there's no retailer partnership integrations. We don't need to integrate with websites and we don't want to partner with companies. This is meant for people only. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people will um, have a similar experience to me that over the last, let's say, four to six months, I've noticed that a lot of my um, e-commerce purchases will be dumped into a Shopify widget or a delivery service called Shop, right? Yeah. And in Shop, they they catalog my purchases. They show me in a really beautiful kind of user experience way or design thinking way of where my product is and when it's going to get to me. Um I, you know, and now this, now I'm looking at Nate and I'm saying, okay, this is uh, taking that to the nth degree. So if you're saying that you're the first universal, um, truly universal uh, shopping app, then, um, you know, that this, this, it's just moving so fast for me. You know what I mean? It's moving so fast for me. And yeah. to me, I, I had a aha wow moment when shop came around and started tabulating all my purchases. And now yeah. where I wait for it, I hope it hits shop. I hope yeah. like it catalogs there because I want that fluidity in the experience. And we all know as retail strategists and people talking about this is that the less friction you could have in the checkout process, the, the, the conversion rates just go up like crazy. What data do you have on now the conversion side of people that are actively using Nate? Um, so we, we're not a tool that is meant to increase conversion. Um, and so if, 
it is true that you know when someone is buying um, something that is uh, in a, an emotional category like fashion, beauty, or, or wellness, every second of additional friction reduces their purchase intent by twenty percent. Um, so chances are that you know the more emotional the category, the the bigger the upside for that retailer. Um, you know, I've seen some numbers in industry that go you know go from three x to ten uh, x sometimes, uh, but that is not. We don't measure that because we, we don't care we, because we, this is not we don't sell conversion to retailers. We don't partner with retailers. We're just telling consumers, if you don't want the drama of checking out, then just use Nate. But it's on you to make that decision on the spot. And then, you know, what people every time they download Nate, they make their first purchase. They say, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so um, bad for my wallet because I'm going to be spending stuff so much money all the time and it actually is not true what what happens is that usually you know if people spend two minutes or five minutes or 13 minutes checking out what's happening in that process is that they are delaying the the decision it's a constant mm -hmm. over rationalization of should i create an account here should i where's my credit card should i pay with this or with that and 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 so what's happening is that right now all of that is compressed in three seconds you're forced to make the decision in three seconds if you don't want to make it you can also tap heart and then save it for later and then the product is saved into the app for later you can always go back to it and then you can also add it to a list and share that list with our friends um, so if you don't want to buy that's fine just heart it or hit buy but you're forced to, to compress your decision in under three seconds and and that doesn't necessarily mean that you buy more it means that you you're less stressed in your in your life. That's what it means. Now, now, is there a visual search element to this as well? Because um, in your, you know, just the 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 basic demo on your kind of uh, header uh, slide on the website shows that okay, I can take a clip or a snippet from a website and then I put it into Nate. Or how does that work? So the way you ask. Um, need to buy something for you is by sharing a product page you can't share um you know you can't share a, an article or an image just yet or and you cannot share a cart either you, you share a product page um and then you basically are on safari on your browser tap share tap nate tap buy that is the flow the input needs to be a product url that contains a product page and then we capture the dom of that website we rebuild it on our end in case you Say you chose size or color, for example. Nate needs to be able to recognize what your choice was so that it can recreate it later. Um, but uh, but there's no there's no um, publicly announced element of of visual search, meaning uh, your ability to take a picture and share it with Nate. I mean, it would be super fun, but uh, it, it's not something that is available right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it sounds like it's something. Announced. Yeah, it's in development. Yeah, it sounds like something yeah. he's thinking about, right? But which which makes complete sense, right? I just don't know what the critical mass in terms of, um, you know, active users would be for you to invest in something like that or to roll it out. Because of course, it's not going to be three steps anymore. So then now you get, you get rid of one of the the marketing arms that you have also uh, in terms of it'll have to be four or five steps at that point because you have to enter in. Uh, a size and kind of those those product uh, attributes that you know someone would normally customize to themselves. I mean, I, I fantasize with um, this concept of snap buy for so long in my head as a user, you know, because I see so many things. I, I walk down the street sometimes, and I'm like, wow, that pair of shoes looks epic, uh, and I just want to capture it, right? Um, and so sometimes it's just as simple as I just take a photo. I just never go never go back to it, right? And so perhaps an additional next step will be take a photo and then tap share and then tap Nate and save it. Just save that. 
uh, onto Nate. And, um, and they might be able to, you know, recognize that you can actually buy that in like two or three different retailers. Um, and then you can later just in the app decide if you want to buy from one of those three or not buy it at all. Um, but this idea of like, I want to pin something. There's a moment in my life that I'm, I want to pin and then save for later. Um, I, I would love that for myself, honestly, because I go through these moments all the time. Or, or yeah. you could just wait till Google actually rolls it out officially, right? And there, yeah. and there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Speaking of marketing arms, as you mentioned before, uh, I, I just want to circle back to something, which is this sense of personality and this name, Nate, even though it's the dumbest of your of, of your team, as you yeah. said. Uh, That's right. Uh, how, how important is it, if at all, to uh, put any effort into building out a sense of this Persona. being a yeah a personality or or this being yeah. a you know, a thing, a, a, a being, if you will, that people yeah. connect to. And if so, how are you thinking about that? So, so I guess the question is, is if so, how are you thinking about that? If not, why not? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's a, it's a topic that I have been chewing on for, for two years. And where I'm at right now is that um, this idea that uh, machines are going to automate certain tasks in our lives that are very repetitive um, is, is not new. And when you think about it, um, there are so many things in my life that I would like automated, uh, like a robot that makes my bed or a robot that puts, puts a dishwasher or a robot that, you know, that uh, updates my address. I recently moved and I had to update my address everywhere mm. uh, or cancel subscriptions or schedule my meetings. There's so much, right? And uh, in, in this case, need just... Um, buys things for you but the the reason we chose to personify nate is precisely so that people understood um that this is not a direct integration with a website or, or a tool to check out on a website it is it is a platform where people can share lists uh but it is fundamentally built on on this layer of artificial intelligence that knows how to navigate websites and so if we had named it something that wasn't personified, we would have had to explain a lot more how it works, if that makes sense. But we also made a really conscious effort to make sure that it's lowercase uh, because Nate is not a human and we love humans at, 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 at Nate. Uh, in fact, we, we foster human to human inspiration. That's why lists exist. What's in a list is decided by a human, not by Nate, right? Nate is only intervenes after the human decides this is what I want to be buying. And we also use it pronouns. Um, we, we chose a, you know, a name that is traditionally associated with a man's name on purpose because, you know, there are already plenty of assistants out there uh, that are associated with women's names and, and the wealth competence trap is, is real. And if we are to uh, dumbify a, a, a person and, and, and objectify into someone who's going to just do our, our uh, the boring bits, then it might as well be a man's name. But we use it pronouns. So Nate has no gender and no personality. I, I love your your thinking through that. And I think that it's very important in terms of uh, being uh, mindful of uh, where we are as a society and, and pushing that forward as well from uh, whatever bit that you can. That's that's brilliant. I love that a lot. Um, I am I, there. There has to be something going on in the AI community with uh, these names, though. Um, you're not the only one. So I'm wondering what book everyone's reading. Uh, but um, it's a strong oh. one. It's, it's a smart one. 
if you if you find if you find it, uh, please share it with me. In fact, <laughs> add it add it to a list on Nate and then share that list with me. Well, well I'm I'll also thinking about there. my fr- yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm thinking about my friend Purva Gupta and her company Lily oh, yeah. AI. Yeah, yeah. We've had on it, which is a lowercase Lily. Um, but very interesting. Now, you mentioned that the model is, of course, taking a bit of a transactional fee um, uh, when uh, when when there's a checkout that occurs. Um, how how does it work, or does it work with uh, these kind of newer models of buy now pay later, like a Afterpay or a Klarna and things of that nature? How does that work when when customers want to um, you know install uh, or, or use installment payments? So if you use Nate in its current version, uh, Nate will not provide you any financing options, um, and most of our users today are are or let's say customers, I hate the word users. It sounds like they're addicted to something, they're not. Um, so most of our customers today are um, using Nate primarily because they're they're time sensitive. They really value their time. Um, and not, sometimes not in a very rational way, like perhaps us three, uh, but also in an emotional way, you know, people who perhaps are more impatient. I'm quite impatient by nature. Uh, and so many of our customers grew up in a world where they could face on their parents on the other side of the world. And if that button didn't work, they started crying. So that's the level, that's the bar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so because we're, we're primarily working with time-sensitive customers, right. um, the price sensitivity or the cash sensitivity is less of an issue right now. Um, but no no, no doubt that it will be. And, uh, and we're really happy to... Uh, we'll, we'll be announcing some features in that in that space very soon. That's really interesting. I, um, you know, we've had uh, Nick uh, Molnar of Afterpay on the show, and uh, he's remained a, a friend through the years uh, through through his yeah. extension to to the U.S. from Australia. Um, and if there's some, if, there, if there's an introduction that could be productive over there, we're happy to 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 do that. No, um, yeah, I, I know Nick. Thank yeah. you for that. I appreciate it. Every business has at least one big pivotal moment. The moment when you say, okay, we're at this turning point, so then what? I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor. I hope you'll join me each week on my podcast, Then What? As we talk with successful business leaders who push past their business's biggest then what moments and succeed in an even bigger way because of effective leadership and solid business practices. It's inspiring and deeply useful information for any entrepreneur. Subscribe to Then What on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. So it's the U.S. now. Uh, where do you see your 2021 right now? Um, no, definitely U.S. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, you know, right now we're in a really lucky, probably the most fun time in the company uh, because we're still iterating on features. So, for example, our lists. Some of our customers say, "I wish I could, you know, change the cover picture of a list, or I wish I could see who's following my list." And we're still iterating on some of those features. Um, so for us, it's really about you know making sure that. Nate is as delightful as possible and that people can share lists and send gifts to each other. Gifts are such a fun experience because on Nate, you don't have to 
ask for the recipient's address. You know, if you want to send a, a gift to each other right now, you'll have to say, hey, what's your latest address? And then go and check out and mark that tedious box that says different shipping than billing and, and so on and so forth. With me, you don't have to do that. You can just literally share the gift via text message. And then it's the receiver of the gift who has to accept it, which, and so it's, it's, uh, it's frictionless and, and delightful. But we're focusing very much on, on building these features and, and making sure that our customers are really happy with them. Uh, before we, you know, roll it out to the rest of the country. Um, so 2021 for us is, is still very much US. Uh, no plans on launching any other country next year. Okay, got it. Have you considered integrating, just out of curiosity, integrating anything other than text into that gifting process? For example, the ability of someone to record a brief uh, audio message to go with it or something like that, that, that creates an even more personal experience I love that. Uh, just, I love that, you know, because it's uh, in this this day and age. I mean, right now, this year has been crazy. Right. And there are so many people who can be with family members for like Thanksgiving or, or other holidays. And we think about this topic all the time. How else can we make sure that this gifting moment is delightful for both parties? We always say, you know, one gift equals two smiles. Right. It's not just the receiver. It's also the sender of that gift. Um, and so, yes, for sure, there are so many of these ideas, and I'll definitely take that one as well. Um, that can, you know, make it even better for 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 the smiles to be to be bigger. What about the sharing aspect on social media of of you know I, I got this gift or I or I sent this gift and I I want to sh- share it, you know, because yeah. obviously that's great promotion for you guys, but but it also adds to the you know. Some of our younger generations, that's just a way of life is to share everything publicly. So yeah. how how are yeah. you enabling uh, – no judgment. But uh, yeah. how, how are you no, enabling sure. – you know, coming from the old guy. How, how are yeah. you uh, – <laughs> I share nothing. No, how, how are you uh, uh, thinking about so uh, promoting, the, enabling that aspect? Yeah, I, I love that question. The, so Nate's uh, feature number one, before lists and gifts existed, was this buy now feature, right? Three taps, five seconds, buy anything anywhere. And um, honestly, we thought this is it, you know? Uh, and then we saw, and then some people were like, I want to save this for later. I just don't want to buy it just yet. So then we said, okay, fine. We'll allow you to save it to, to the app. Um, and then people were like adding a bunch of products and then taking screenshots, of the curation of those products that were, they were adding and then sharing that with friends via social media or uh, via tech or DM or text message. And, and then we're like, okay, what, we're just gonna allow you to group them into a list and then pick the title of that list and then share that list. So if you can build a list and they tap share and then share it anywhere you want. You can share it on social media, you can share it via in a group chat, or you can share it with just one person. My husband and I, for example, uh, recently moved to a new apartment and um, we were looking for all this furniture. So I created a list with inspiration and a bunch of like different couch and table and bed ideas. And I just shared it with him. And it's not a list that I share with the world. It's a list that him and I share. Uh, but then I created this other list. I spoke at NYU recently and people were asking me, what, what books are you reading? Uh, and so I created another list on Nate that contained 10 or 12 books. I shared it with them. And that list now has hundreds of followers. So lists could be for any purpose. And that's how we think of, of, of sharing at Nate. Yeah. I mean, look, socializing um, different platforms has been so important. You know, when I look through, well, I don't normally look through my Venmo feed, but I think that that was the first yeah. time that I've really noticed that people are socializing their financing right? Their finances, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And I thought, and, and although I'm not very active on, um, on, on kind of liking things and, you know, on yeah. Venmo specifically, I, I do see the activity and I was, you know, I was first kind of annoyed at the fact that you have to put in a comment. Um, of course, for reporting, it makes it uh, complete sense. And that's where I initially thought it was going, but for the socialization aspect, it's super important for Venmo for people to put in comments when they're transferring money. Uh, do you find it as a, a, a critical growth tool for you? Um, not, not at all. Um, we, uh, we're not trying to be a social network by any means. Um, and there are, I mean, lo I love Venmo by the way, and I still find it fascinating that something as basic as sending someone money could be used as, um, referential chat that sparks conversation or, uh, or social engagement. Uh, and I do think that buying things, uh, especially, you know, fashion or beauty or wellness, like fun items are a stronger um, reference to, to build um, momentum and social activity on. But as of right now, there, we have no plans on doing that. We need right now is a tool uh, that works really well um, when you, share it in other platforms so you can take that list and share it on your social platform or but, your group message. but but what if let me challenge that what if i'm on if i'm on nate and let's say uh someone who i revere in terms of style aesthetic or just overall um taste is purchasing something from i don't know west elm or whatever it is and it pops up into my feed like xyz or albert purchased this um that that could really really um uh, incite some some large activity yeah no doubt there are there are a lot of things that could tap into the right um or the relevant uh behavioral hacks uh for people yeah. to do the things that we would want them to do but that is so not aware about at Maine at all uh in fact we take privacy super seriously um, and, and, um, and so it's a constant topic of conversation. Uh, this, you're definitely asking the right question. This is for us, we're, we're constantly iterating on how we think about these topics, but as of right now, um, where we've landed is if that person that you, uh, really uh, admire in terms of their, their style, um, creates a list and posts that list on a channel that you follow, you can choose to follow that list, regardless of whether that person is buying things from that list or not, uh, mm. and whether it's real time or not. And then if that person has another list on Nate that is just for them, then you won't be able to see that list, right? That is just a list for them. What do you what do you do when there's influence, like financial influence uh, between brand and user uh, relationships? So if you have influencers that are paid by brands to promote items, um, is that, uh, is that a, I mean, that's going to be a good problem to have if you're, if you're having to deal with that, but how do you deal with something like that? We, um, it's your, as a user, it, as a customer of Nate, I guess it's, it's your, it's your choice. Uh, what you, you know, the, the lists that you build and whether for you or for other people and your own, you know, reasoning of what you add there. If you add a product because you're being paid to add it, then it's your decision. It's certainly not how I'm going to use it, but I, I already see, you know, people doing that and it's, it's entirely their choice. And then it'll be their followers to decide if they want to follow that list or not. Uh, but we don't engage in that 
even if you know that brand may be paying that influencer a ton of money phenomenal we're just here to provide the platform and the solution to make it well, shovelable. The, but we're the, not the here fiduci- to engage in but that. again this is like every network right right now you may not anticipate your technology being a platform network platform uh however critical mass will dictate that right so maybe you're not at a point where you need to think about that but i'm wondering um you know if you have say 20, 30 million users, active users, how does that now, how does that influence end up, like what's your fiduciary duty to, to, to police that influence? So anyway, something that, uh, so, you know, I, I hope you, yeah, no, I hope you have to deal with it. I love the topic, to be honest with you. I am, uh, I'm fascinated by it. And, and, and when you download Nate now, it's, it's empty. In fact, um, there's no discovery. There's no. There's nothing to discover. If you, there's no place where you go. Well, check. Let me see what mm, lists yeah. are out there. It's yeah. literally empty. And then if you buy something, then it's added to your purchase history. If you mm. save an item, then it's added to your home tab. If a friend shares a list with you, you can choose to follow that list. But that friend needs to share that list via text message or via Instagram. Or but via the moment, elsewhere. but the moment you enable people to have public lists, that becomes a network. But public lists already exist. They just are mm-hmm. um, promoted elsewhere. They're not on Nate. Sure. And, and, and what I'm saying is that mm. uh, while this is a, a, a clear point of contention, but even within Nate, <laughs> as of right now, uh, Nate is not a place where yeah, you will yeah. open as a destination to find lists, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So let's yeah. talk about let's talk about that concept of contention because uh, I want to circle back to something else you you mentioned about taking. Are you still angry? Pre- are you still angry at me, Mark, for the for the old comment? Oh, I'm really angry. I, the <laughs> thing the thing I'm actually angry about is when you talked about looking at an influencer, or someone that you respect their taste, and I thought you were talking about me, and then you said you were talking about Albert. So <laughs> no, <laughs> right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that, well, not. <laughs> Mark, Albert. it's it's the it's the V neck. These days, it's it's, it all about Kunex, it's all about it, Kunex. It, apparently, it is. I'll just cover it up. Uh, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is years ago this used to be a Kunex, and just through age, it sagged. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's an ad for that. Gra- gravity <laughs> doing its work, I guess. Uh, <laughs> circling back to what you were talking about, taking data uh, seriously. Sorry to go backwards, but I was sort of sitting on this question. Uh, you know, right now you said you're focused on the U.S., you know, global domination, maybe someday in the future. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I- I'm interested in talking to you just as someone who is, you know, running point on a piece of technology innovation. Uh, there must be ideas that you have that you say, this will be amazing. But if we do this, I can't make this practically available in certain key other parts of the world because of, you know, their data privacy rules or whatever. It's just going to make it very complicated for us to execute in the UK versus in the US, for example. So we're, as you think about those ideas and where your roadmap is, how do you think about and say, if I don't do this, I miss out on all the opportunity within the U.S., but if I do do this, I create a real challenge in terms of you know, siloing that within this market, and I have to make a different version available for this market. We have to police that, and 
And there's so many complexities because when the U.S. person is in Germany and wants to conduct it, they may have to behave differently. It has to behave differently than when they're in the U.S. and blah, blah, blah. So let's just forget that whole thing and just simplify it versus saying, but there's a huge opportunity. So can you, are you a little – is that something yeah. that you've you've already had to wrestle with and can you talk that through a little bit? Yeah, no, no, totally. Um, I mean nothing that we do at Nate – everything that we do at Nate uh, has – a scalability mindset. Uh, so when we were, you know, the first, for the entire year of 2019, we were in complete stealth, just building the technology, trying to figure out if we would crack the right AI architecture, how much data I would need for it to generalize and, and, and be able to buy things in websites that it had never seen before. Um, and fun fact, out of the 39 humans that we have at Nate, there's, um, there are 25 nationalities, five religions, all sorts of gender identities, uh, but none of us speak Korean. And, uh, and, and, and we, we wanted, so therefore we picked a Korean website just to, to, to see, because none of us could buy things in the Korean website. And, and we picked it just to see if Nate would be able to, to buy something in it and, and to correctly predict where to click. And it did. And, and that is heaven to me because it means that fundamentally in the core technology is indeed uh, scalable to, to the entire world if and when we decide to do it. Um, in terms of uh, additional features or, or layers or, or on the topic of, of privacy, for example, we are starting from a bar where you know the fundamental principle is that data belongs to people, not companies. And so uh, it, it might be the opposite where we fail at a market that expects us to use predictive intelligence to tell them what to buy. And we will never do that. So, you know, maybe we don't launch that market because of that, but it's more on that angle rather than, than the other way around. And, and the one thing that is in my head in terms of um, scalability or like, you know, say country by country mindset is the payments layer. Because when you ask Nate to buy something, as I mentioned earlier, the Nate issues a single-use virtual card number. It places an order with that card. And there are also other ways of paying things on websites and charging people, right? These days, there are so many digital wallets and other methods of payment um, and financing options, you know, and so on. And so that payment stack is fundamentally different at, ev at, at every country. Uh, so that is the one that, you know, we'll have to keep a close eye on in terms of making sure that the decisions we make and the promises we make to consumers look somewhat similar uh, across different um, experiences based on where this transaction is happening and uh, where the billing address is and, and so on and so forth. You know, um, in February, just before we we're going into a forced quarantine here in New York, uh, I had a chance to interview uh, Brittany Kaiser. Uh, again, actually, Brittany was uh, – which show was she on on Mouth Media? Oh, it was American Enough. American Enough. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the first time uh, – so Brittany is uh, famous um, from her role in activity uh, through Cambridge Analytica, and then she was yep. uh, one of the featured characters on uh, The Great Hack on Netflix. Uh, so – uh, Brittany was uh, a guest of mine on the Bellwether Culture podcast, and um, she was. Uh, we were talking through her initiatives in, uh, you know, kind of promoting legislation to change on owning your data. Um, and you know, similar to to fashion and its um, consumer mindfulness or priority on um, 
you know, uh, conscious, the conscious consumer and circular economy and sustainable cultures and things like that, or cultural sustainability, I do find that uh, we're going to find a wave of uh, consumers that are extremely mindful of their data privacy and their rights to their data. Um, is that something that is uh, guiding, I guess, your development uh, when you're talking about things like or, or kind of pushing back on some of my comments that are that are network associated and things of that nature? That's exactly right. Uh, and, and on a personal level, I am the biggest uh, junkie for privacy. I'm the kind of person that browses uh, logged out of all of my accounts and deletes all cookies. And uh, I'm rarely on social media. Mm -hmm. um, I'm that kind of person. Of course, I don't expect all of our users to be, but it does, you know, the, the, the starting point is quite um, severe on my end, I guess. Um, and so oh, at Nave, we were funded with two fundamental principles. The first one is humans inspire, machines execute. And the second one is data belongs to people, not companies. And I, you know, I come from an industry where uh, companies are getting very used to um, pushing product on people's throats based on past behavior and saying, you know, this is what we're going to show you today, whether it's reordering your feeds uh, or what shows up in search or serving you ads and so on and so forth. And they're using, you know, really smart AI, not that smart, by the way, but like, you know, you know, very deep learning to, to, to kind of make those predictions. Um, and to give you an extreme example of what this looks like, um, I spoke with someone, uh, an executive at a very large e-com company in China, and uh, they told me that um, oftentimes they're able to uh, predict with 90% accuracy what that person is going to buy uh, 48 hours before they buy it. And what happens is that they actually, in order to deliver the promise of uh, one day shipping, they start shipping the item from a distribution center on the other side of China. Um, and and then the item is on its way before the, the customer has even bought it, if that makes sense. And then Stop. oftentimes, oftentimes, you know, let's say 10% of the time, the customer actually doesn't end up buying it, and that's fine. And then they just pause the shipping and it is what it is. But uh, th this is, you know, I, this scares the shit out of me, if I'm really honest with you. And um, and and what's happening is the more data these companies have, the more accurate the prediction becomes. And then if it's not accurate, then they can just be a self-fulfilling prophecy because they'll show you that item a thousand times if they have to in order to make you buy it. Um, and what's happening is that let's say that you buy, you know, a $10 toothbrush um, at a a company that is large enough to sell so many other categories. There are very few in the U.S., but you can imagine who they are. You buy a $10 toothbrush. The very fact you're buying that toothbrush is worth $20 to them. It's so just mm -hmm. the knowledge that you're buying that toothbrush because it adds enough information mm -hmm. um, for predictive intelligence to then be able to you know, show you the right things and increase your, uh, your lifetime value as a customer. And so fundamentally, that is value that that company is stealing from you as a customer. In fact, if they want to retain that information, they should pay you $10 for you to buy that toothbrush, right? And this is the conversation yeah. that uh, Brittany and I have had. Yeah. Yeah. I vote so for I'm, that, I'm by the way. By I vote for that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, look, look, data data is worth more than gold, right, is essentially what we're saying here. And uh, if we're giving away our data freely on the internet, uh, based on us accepting terms and conditions that are, you know, 72 pages long, um, there uh, there needs to be more um, guidance in terms of what we're signing away. Uh, and if there is a value pegged to that, 
then we should be participating in that value. Um, yeah, out flip- of curiosity, would you guys, what would you prefer? Would you pay $10 for the toothbrush and keep that transaction entirely private? No one knows you bought it. Or would you say, pay me $10 and I'll buy this toothbrush and keep the data and add it to, I, to train I think your it's really, algorithm? It, it's very interesting to consider the possibility of a world in which I have that option. To pay a premium to not share my information is very Well, no, no, no. It's not paying, oh, paying the premium. No, you would, right. That, That's that what I'm saying. I pay more. Mm-hmm. To to not be exposed, <laughs> that's a that's yeah, a very and interesting. Sounds, and I'm on the flip, and I'm on the flip. So I I actually um, I, I find recommendations quite helpful uh, more mm-hmm. often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't find them, but I do agree that um, that I should be compensated because it, first of all, there is a ton of things that are not related to commerce that this data is guiding, right? So the, the, this data is not being transferred to one company. This data is being transferred to one company and then it's compounded down the fucking line. So that's what that, and, and if there's a way to track, let's say the same way that, you know, Spotify sends an artist, you know, however many cents per play, yeah, that, that should be the fucking model. So that's really interesting because we've talked about this before, and this relates back to what you're doing, Albert. Uh, we've talked about this before, had this conversation, Pavan, about the difference from generational standpoint. So you and I are technically from different generations. And, uh, and, and consequently, uh, we think at least a little bit differently, and obviously even a younger generation thinks even more this way about the, the, there's so much less of a barrier to sharing information with a younger generation than there is someone, say, from my generation. I'm in my mid-50s. <laughs> and so therefore you – you um I'm thinking about it differently. I was brought up protecting. I didn't know even remotely how much my father made for a living until I was probably in my 40s. And we just didn't talk about that. And you just don't share that. We had unlisted phone numbers and all that stuff. Whereas now that's just a more part of behavior because as you said previously, Pavan, there's rewards attached to that of recommendations or, or being able to have the things you want and so forth. How, if at all, does someone in your position, Albert, have to think about you? You're going to have users, or do have users in their fifties, and you have them in their teens, and and so these people in those those wide difference of generations simply don't think about e-commerce in exactly the same way especially in terms of their willingness to share data and be rewarded or not rewarded and so forth. So I know you spoke a lot yeah. in our conversation about how protective of data you are and how That's nothing right. gets shared unless you make a decision that That's so, right. But 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 it it has to be part of your consciousness as you think about what you can build out. So the generation yeah. to generation. So uh, thoughts? Yeah. So, so the you know, the good news here is that uh, there are you know seven, 350 million people in the U.S., seven billion people in the world, and people use all sorts of uh, different products because they have different positionings and different standpoints in in these topics. Um, let's assume for a second that. We, we are right that, that the world is moving in this direction, and indeed, people will have the choice: Do I pay fully for this item? Or uh, do I pay less or, or get paid on top of it or separately uh, in order for this, this purchase to be uh, of public knowledge? Or you know, a bunch of people will know and will add it to an algorithm that will kind of replicate my brain. <laughs> we get to that point where consumers have that, um, 
that agency. Um, then there will fundamentally be two types of platforms, right? There will be the platforms where uh, fall on the first bucket and the platforms for fall on the, in the second bucket. And this this is um, uh, not a new conversation. It's, privacy is, a, is an evolving conversation. Apple, for example, is a big advocate of of Apple and Google, for example, have very different stance on, on, on what this looks like, right? Um, so at Nate, we know where we are. Uh, Nate is uh, privacy first, and um, and we are going to continue spreading the message that uh, companies should charge the full price of, of what an item is worth um, and should not use that data in order to... Um, force feed your products that's our stance uh but yes it could be you know five years from now and suddenly you have been using nate for the last five years and you've bought thousands of things in it and then you are telling me i think i can make a lot of money with this data albert i want to be able to sell it all right so maybe i'll tell you okay sure you know here is a deal that we found there's a company who wants to buy your history do you want it or not and if so then by all oh. means, go ahead and sell your data. We wouldn't make any money off of it. That's for sure. We don't. We don't do that. But you're yeah. leaving that opportunity open. That is very, very interesting and forward thinking of you. It is. Yeah. All right. This, this feels like a great moment to move on to our uh, final segment, which is where we get to know Albert uh, aptly uh, on a more human level. <laughs> <laughs> with some personal Let's do it. Um, as much as I'd like to do this with Nate, uh, I, I think we'll do it with... <laughs> yeah, you know, Nate has no personality. Exactly. So uh, with a round of off-the-grid questions right after that. Hey, Dresden, do you like to laugh? Oh, Mark, heartily, heartily. Elsie, do you like comedy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to laugh at Elsie. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can listen to funny people talking every week. It's a podcast, and we talk about humor and comedy, and honestly, we can barely get through a commercial, but I promise you'll have a good time here, and we talk to amazing people, comedians, business amazing. leaders, inspiring people about their lives and about humor, about comedy. We play improv games. Babble. We babble. We talk. Uh, you'll be inspired and you'll laugh. <laughs> that's why he has a co-host. We have. <laughs> that's right. We have great food, celebrity stories, and we always play an improv game. So come on by. You'll have a great time. Funny people talking wherever the best podcasts are found. Now it is time for everybody, one of our favorite parts of the show, and that is... And now, it's time for Questions Off the Grid, with fashion is your business. That's right, off the grid questions, where we ask questions, frankly, a little more off the grid, a little more personal in nature, uh, to determine the order of questions, despite it being just Puppet and I, we still love to spin our great big wheel of grid destiny, just for the heck of it. And so I'm going to give it another spin. It'll determine the order of questions we ask. And it's going round and round. And the first question is from Puppet. Going back to the earliest time that you could think about this, what is the first interaction that you've had that really stood out to you with a um, with a robot or machine? 
is probably the car, probably a car, just getting in a car and thinking, you know, I've seen in movies where there's no engine and there is a horse pulling a wheel, a carriage with wheels. And then I thought of the wheel. Um, but um, th those are, you know, not intelligent robots, but they're still robots, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're machines that, that, that automate something that used to happen less efficiently, I guess. Um, so it must have been that as a kid, for sure. And you remember thinking about that as a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. That as a kid, yeah, yeah. I'm fascinated by, the, by, by technology as the hack. The technology is not a factor of production, right? But it, like, it can you know, 10x or 100x all factors of production by definition. Uh, and th that's fascinating to me that um, we are, I know I read this book by Steven Pinker called Enlightenment Now. And then it, it has it's, it has a bunch of pages. It's massive, but it's kind of a data driven approach to optimism and progress and and, and humanism and enlightenment and um, and so much of that. Uh, let's say you know poverty having decreased over the centuries or um, life expectancy having increased and and so much of that has to do with with technology. And that's just fascinating to me. And by technology, I don't mean apps on your phone i mean literally every tool that you use around you uh you know from the knife to your iphone yeah and, and uh you know you mentioned the wheel being uh, of course uh, a huge um progress in terms of uh transportation but it was probably the axle uh, which i'm sure you know uh which, yeah. which allowed it yeah. to all happen right <laughs> that's right that's right yeah all right, another spin of the wheel, and round and round she goes, and where she stops, I know, and it's me. Uh, the uh, uh, the uh, the question I'd really I'd really like to know from you, Albert, is uh, look, I, I I hate to 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 talk about it, but it is here, and that's the the you know crazy pandemic that we're all a part of. What yeah. has been a private joy of yours that you have discovered in being forced to exist a little differently during the pandemic than you had beforehand. And for some people I know it, it's produced a new hobby or a, a, a new chance to exist in a certain way or to do a, something differently that you say, Hey, the pandemic sucks, but this part of it is cool. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I can't think of many, to be honest with you. Uh, but uh, it, but the, I have two friends. I have a lot. I mean, I have a few friends, but I have two friends in particular that I haven't uh, that I hadn't spoke that I hadn't like caught up with in, in a while. Yeah. And um, and we were planning on doing this uh, uh, weekend trip together. And then, of course, we couldn't because of lockdown. And so we decided to uh, hop on a Zoom instead. And we had so much fun that we decided to make it uh, fortnightly. So now I speak with both of them for 30 minutes every other Saturday. Um, and that uh, just makes me happy, regardless of where we are in the world, even if we can see each other. That is still happening. Um, so that makes me happy. Yeah, that's one thing that came out of this, I guess. I wouldn't call it a hobby, but for sure. Well, reconnection to humanity in a way. I think I think a lot mm -hmm. of us have 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 you know sort of forced ourselves uh, or been forced into saying, "Hey, I need people." I forgot how much I need people, and then you know you you, yeah, you, oh God, yeah. you take sure. it for granted, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, and and I'm, I'm a hugger. I'm like, I'm a toucher. I yeah. touch people. I touch my face. I touch, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hug my friends, my, my family members all the time. So just, you know, not being able to hug my friends and my family members has been yeah. the hardest thing for me ever. Yeah. Have, you, have you ever seen that, that technology that was created that uh, essentially um, uh, you could use uh, some sort of sensory technology to reach through these sensors and on the other side it would move uh, pieces of uh, and, and create pressure so you could almost – grab a mm. ball or touch someone's hand or whatever like that. Interesting. I, um, so there, there was a, there was a public uh, display in Brooklyn or, or yeah. downtown Manhattan that did that, right? Yeah. It's like one of them was kind of like, you know, those things that are all the little pins and you like put it in your face and it holds the, it holds like the, right. the, 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 the form the, of your face or your hand or whatever. It, it was kind of like that where by pushing into that, it, it yeah. had many sensors, and on the other side, it would create a a pressure uh, on the other side, and you could actually quote hold a ball, or you could touch someone's hand. Anyway, my point is, I'm a little surprised that that hasn't reared its face again a little bit as a way for someone to reach out and quote hug someone from a distance, if well, not in a mass market, at least you know. I, th- I think it will actually, Mark. That's really interesting. I, I feel like uh, that's one hell of an. We were just talking in the previous recording with Melissa Gonzalez uh, about experiential retail and uh, kind of the the future formats of physical. And that is something for the right brand to have that activation yeah. in store to be able to hug somebody in whether it be in Argentina or India or wherever or even in New Jersey. I don't yeah. know. Um, that's that's interesting. Talk about contactless. Uh... Mm-hmm. the problem is is that you still have to go to that thing right like it's not a small activation so you still have to go to it and you have to contact it there is no question in my mind (laughs) there is no question in my mind that has um ar or vr applications in the future in some capacity and that will become a piece of our household technology no question about it just whether it's five years or yeah, wake up and hug your family from across the world. That's great. That's it. I love that. Uh, so, uh, big big question, of course, Albert. How can people connect with with you or with and or with Nate uh, and find out more or, or or potentially for great strategic relationships for you? Awesome. So yeah, I am. Uh, I'm not on many social platforms myself as an individual. I'm on Twitter at Albert Saniger, and I tend to reply, DMs are open, and I tend to reply to everyone. Um, and then, and then Nate, yeah, we are on, we are super fun on TikTok and Instagram at Nate underscore app. Um, and usually, you know, you get replies from any tiny comment to a large paragraph. We have people, you know, industry partners who reach out to us via these channels, and, and we initiate conversations about potential partnerships. We have future uh, you know, employees or people who want to work with us reaching out uh, and of course customers or investors you know the people reach out via all these methods and, and we love them all all right albert saniger the founder and ceo of nate uh what a great pleasure you know it's funny every once in a while on this show we have someone you just saw they look interesting the company looks interesting you just don't know what's sort of going to come out of it but you want to explore it and then you end up just having this really nice surprise of just a fantastic and an insightful informative conversation this was definitely one of those very inspirational about what's possible and congratulations on everything you've achieved so far and it does seem like 
a very, very bright road ahead. So I'm excited to see where you go. Thank you. Thank you. That, that means the world. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. This was the highlight of my day and I'm pumped Good. for the rest of the day because of it. So thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, and that is it for this episode of Fashion Is Your Business for Pavan. Shake it easy. I'm Mark Rico. Have a great day, everybody. And uh, just enjoy your week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This has been Fashion Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. Thank you.